jump in motocross news. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the GateDrop.com podcast. I'm Jonathan McCready and with me is Andy McKinstry. And I want to start first of all this weekend with the Motocross of Nations chat. Obviously the, the Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence situation with Australia pulling out, no Jeremy Sewer and a few other guys like Ken Roxon who have already said they aren't coming. It throws the event a wee bit into disarray, although Hurlings and Caroli and those guys are still going as things stand. But there are rumours that Team America won't be coming. They've had their announcement delayed by a week, and now it looks like it could get further delayed, if at all. Andy, what do you think of, of the situation with the Motocross of Nations? It's certainly far from ideal. Yeah, it's absolutely not. Uh, first of all, I probably owe Ken Roxon a bit of an apology last week after saying, you know, I was disappointed in him, but it's all came to light now that the, the decision's been made for the HRC Honda guys from above them, not letting them travel. So it's just a pity, really, a big, big shame that the Honda guys can't be there. If, if Team Australia and Roxon and stuff came over and Team America, it wouldn't be too bad. Okay, a lot of the GP guys have pulled out, but even with those guys um, going, it might have been decent. Now you haven't got those guys and most of the GP guys pulling out, so it's a double blow, really. It'll be interesting to see. I'd, I'm, I'd be very surprised if Australia still come. I think they're definitely ruled out. I think America is probably in the balance at the moment. It does seem like they might come if things don't get anything worse, so it'll be interesting to see what decision they make because I think there is a decision to be made there now for America at the moment, and, of course, Chase Saxon, it's looking unlikely he'll be coming. Yeah, and if America don't go, that's one of the last sort of big differentials between a GP and a and a motocross of nations that, that sort of elevates the, the prestige and the excitement of watching that event. So if America don't go and you're already down a lot of the top GP riders and you're down the two Lawrence brothers, what would have been really interesting was Jet Lawrence versus Tom Vial. I think that would have been a really interesting point, regardless of, of the team event, just on an individual level. And MX2, so we're losing that as well. And obviously, you don't even have Gertz there, although you do have Liam Everts. He is one of those interesting aspects to the race. But if America don't go, and we're speculating a wee bit here, but there are rumours that they may not actually go now, where where does that leave the race, in your opinion? Or are they better just cancelling the event and making it a, a GP? Or what do you think they should do? Well, yeah, if it was me, I would just cancel the motocross across the nations this year and just run a normal GP. But whether they'll make that decision or not, I don't know. There's probably a lot of money on the line for in-front motor racing if they do decide to cancel. Um, obviously, last year, they've lost a load of money by no fans at the GPs, no motocross the nations. Probably when it comes to the, the race that makes the most money is the motocross the nations. So it'll probably depend on how much tickets have sold so far and what it's like. The argument could be made that if they do cancel and do run a GP, you might still get the same sort of crowd that's already capped at 50% anyway. So that might make the most sense. Whether or not to do that or not is another question. Yeah, well, at the minute, the reality is you're going to see more top riders at a GP than you are at the Motocross of Nations. I know the events are totally different. And the Nations has that that pride to it for for your country and it allows different riders to get a a feel for a a big stage. But whenever you you mentioned you're only allowed 50% fans in anyway, I'm sure a lot of those fans want to see Caroli Hurlings, who will already be at the event, but then also go against Geyser and Prado and Fevre. That would be all five of the top five in the World Championship racing, as opposed to just two. And Jeremy Sewer won't be racing either. For me, it's obviously that, that idea about MXG points, which was going to be very difficult to dad into a motocross of nations, 
But it's looking like now if there's any way to try and salvage this event, if America don't go, that would maybe be the only option. But I think if America aren't going to go, we've already lost Australia, we've lost a lot of the top GP riders. I think at this point, the event isn't going to have the same pizzazz that it usually does. And a GP is going to have a higher quality entry list. Yeah, exactly. We need to try and preserve what the motocross donation means. If it does go ahead this year, you know, it's going to be a low quality event compared to what we're used to. There's not going to be that same buzz. So, yeah, why run it at all, in my opinion? Obviously, it'll come down to money, the finance side of, side of things. So, yeah, there's probably a decision to be made there. So, it will be interesting. But I think I actually really like the idea of GP points. But I would say that's totally ruled out now. It's too late to implement that while, you know, half the nations are picking their teams. If they now brought in GP points, it gives them a bit of a headache trying to sort teams out again. So I would rule the GP points out for this year. Maybe if we're in the same scenario this time next year, just bring in the GP points to start with, let everyone know early, and then we could go with it that way. But fingers crossed, things will be a bit more normal next year. It can be at the end of the season again. And, the motocross donations as we know it and love it for? Yeah, for me, the GP points would almost have been worth trying out this year because the race was always going to be a slightly bizarre. You were going to have what you have now, riders pulling out, or are you going to have a completely different type of format with the GP points? But if the GP points on the nations could have worked, it could have been a way for all the top riders to have something invested into that race. Sometimes the a rider like Tim Geyser, if it's not going his way, he doesn't. There's no reason for him to push at that event. Whereas if there's GP points on it, he's a he's going to turn up. But B, it's all in. So if you add the American riders and the Australian riders and the, all the AMA guys coming over, if they were to come over and even for the future, they're going to be racing a more what is suppose you could term a realistic GP field at a motocross of nations. MX2 is going to be much deeper than normal, and you're going to get to see a better kind of global presence in one race of all the best riders in the world with all the top GP riders there and the leading guys from the AMA. If you could make the format work, which is going to be very tricky, I think it could be, you could almost have stumbled upon an absolutely fantastic weekend's racing. Yeah, I do agree with that. But the only problem is fans seem to be very negative about the GP points. That's one side of it. And then if they're bringing in these GP points... You know, what are the riders' mentalities like that aren't racing GPs? They're maybe going to look at it as a GP then and then think, why should I come and race that if it's just going to be basically a GP? So I can sort of understand. I I mean, I would like them not to have that mentality, but that just seems to be the way maybe some of them would think. I know Hunter Lawrence spoke about it earlier in the year, and even though he would have raced regardless, he did seem a bit sceptical about the GP points. So it is a tricky one. Probably the best thing now to do this year is just make it a GP like we already discussed and then hopefully just have the normal motocross the nations again next year, fingers crossed. Yeah, it was it was always going to be very difficult to create a scenario where the motocross of nations teams and format can be sustained alongside a GP. But if you're ever going to risk doing that format, I think this was the year to do it. They haven't done that and they've lost a lot of top riders. Not that it's their fault, of course. It's, it's essentially covid with the GP delay and now with the US Honda team seemingly stopping their riders going. And unfortunately for the event, those four riders would have added a lot of star power, a lot of speed and a lot of intrigue into into the race. Although if it does go ahead, you're still going to have your Hurlings, Caroli, Holland, Belgium, France, 
Liam Everts will obviously be a great addition to, to that race in terms of intrigue. And he's also going to start his MX2 World Championship career in October, he told us. So that will also be something to, to look forward to, the emergence of Liam Everts at the very, very top after a very impressive EMX2 series. But obviously the World Across the Nation has caused a bit of controversy in Ireland. Ah. And you, you got quite angry at the mission of Martin Barr and you weren't the only one. There was a, a tidal wave of... Of anger, I think, directed at the, the whole selection process. Obviously, Philip McCulloch resigned. Mark Farrelly is now the new manager, former Ulster and Irish champion who raced in the British Championship as well. But he has controversially omitted Martin Barr. We still aren't really sure why. If it's based on speed, you don't have the best three riders there. For me, you pick three, Jason Mears, Stuart Edmonds, Martin Barr, and the other guy that should have been in contention was Glenn McCormick. Glenn's still reserved, despite the the lack of Martin Barr in the team. Jack Sheridan is the MX2 rider. Now, Jack's a good rider. He's a top 15 guy on his day in MX2 British Championship. But I don't think anyone can say he's on the level of Martin Barr. Added to that, the MX1 Championship is more competitive, especially in the, in the top 10, which Martin's still getting in despite a difficult season with injury. And you have Jason Mira, who is riding fantastic at the minute. So he he absolutely should be in, in that mix, and rightfully he is on the team, but I would have put him on an MX2 machine because he definitely has MX2 speed, as we've seen both locally and in the British Championship for a number of years. He's very fast on that, and he has access to a good bike. Glenn would have been in the same position, good MX2 rider. You could have put him on a Chambers MX2 KTM if needed. So those two would have been my two picks for the MX2 ahead of Jack. Now, Jack obviously is a good rider, but if you're trying to take out Martin Barr I just don't think it's very smart Martin's always raised his game for that you would have had, if you went with Edmonds Mira and Barr, you have the three fastest riders at this time, you can look at the results right now, even the MX Nationals, because of course last weekend they were the top three from from Ireland, north and south and it's just absolutely bizarre that, that Jake Sheridan was the non-negotiable in MX2 whenever you had two other riders who've beaten Jake more often than not during their careers, especially in Ireland as well. So I don't think there's too many people agreeing with the team, but you do have to get behind them. And Jason Mira and Stuart Edmonds are absolutely flying. Um, Jake, is, Jake is a good rider, but I think it's the principle of not picking the, the three fastest riders. You're picking two of the four fastest riders and two of the four are not going to be going as things stand. Yeah, well, whatever happened to picking riders based on merit certainly hasn't happened this year. Um, absolutely disgraceful leaving Martin Barr out, in my opinion. Um, the team, as you said, should have been Barr and Edmonds. They picked themselves. And then I think this year, the way Jason Mears has been riding this last month, 100% should be in as well. So they would be the three. It's not exactly rocket science. Um, but there you go. Mark Farley's <laughs> decided not to go down that path. I think he rode in the 80s or 90s, didn't he? 80s? 90s, yeah. 90s. I still stuck Early in the 90s, 90s as far as <laughs> I still stuck in the 90s as far as I'm concerned. Hopefully he hasn't got that job next year again. I've lost a couple of nights sleep worrying about that. Well, Farley and Philip McCulloch used to battle a lot in the in the early to mid 90s, <laughs> and it looks like they've been doing a bit of battling again throughout this team manager scenario. Mark obviously yeah, Ma- is is the one that wants Sheridan in, and Philip McCulloch, I, from what we know, was going to go with. Jason Mira or potentially Glenn McCormick for that MX2 slot. So their off-the-track battle has been resumed and this time Farley somehow won it. Yeah, quite interesting. In our interview, Mark Farley said that he liked the challenge Philip McCulloch's team 
and now he's a team manager. I wonder if anybody will challenge him in his opinion. Hopefully they are, because that's he's picked the worst team in a long, long time that I remember. I would say it's the biggest scandal in Irish motocross in my 27 years, 26 years. So there you go. Nightmare. But sure, what can you do? Good luck to the riders anyway. Not much you can do, really, to be honest, at this point. Um, but as you say, <laughs> you're just going to have to get on with it, aren't you, and start sleeping again because uh, you without no, any sleep isn't going to be any good for anyone. No, definitely, oh. definitely not. Like, could, couldn't believe it, like when I heard the team, but there you go, nothing should surprise us anymore. Just don't mix politics with sports. It's not shouldn't be that hard, but there you go. Yeah, well, either way, it's good for those riders to get that experience. And Jason Mira and Stuart Edmonds are absolutely flying. So what they did at, at Cusser's Gorse there, really, really strong rides for both riders. Jason's start seemed to be coming around as well. He's getting a look at, at the top riders, finally. And he's, he's showing he has, he has the pace to do that. And Martin, again, he was top 10. He crashed, I think, first moto it was. Came through to back to 11th. And obviously, he didn't quite have the race fitness in the, in the second one there, maybe. But it is... The actual pace is good, and of course the Nations isn't for another month, so I don't think there was anything to worry there about Martin's fitness whenever he's already going that sort of top 10 level. But just sticking with, with Cus's Gorse a second, um, Josh Gilbert, really, really impressive ride. Second mode to beat Sean Simpson. He was on Sean's pace in the first one, and he looked really, really smooth doing it. Gilbert's coming off that knee injury, so he hasn't had the preparation he probably wanted to come into the 450 class this year. And I would like to see him do a few more Grand Prix. I think he has a lot of talent. And, you know, he's obviously shown that at home. But as we say a lot of times, the British guys can't always immediately transition that speed into the World Championship. But I think Gilbert has has enough talent to be able to justify getting a chance in Grand Prix at regular events, even if it's just the, the European races or 10 of the 18 rounds or whatever next season. I think he's he's really shown he can gel with that 450. And he should probably have a chance. And also, Sean Simpson, hard pack, not his specialty, but I think he rode well as, as well. And he just obviously loves racing. Anytime there's a race, Sean Simpson will be there. And he's just keeping himself warm for the Grand Prix starting up again. Yeah, I have to say, Josh Gilbert, a round of applause to him. He's actually really surprised me with the speed he's shown, hopping on that 450 and not having a, a good off-season like he'd have wanted with the knee injury. And, already to be on the pace of somebody like Sean Simpson and even beating him, that's, that deserves respect, you know. Uh, it's not easy to make that jump, and I wasn't sure how to adapt to the bigger bike, but he's showing no signs of weakness at the moment, especially racing in England. So well done to him. Hopefully he can keep progressing and improving, and hopefully, like you say, we'll see him and hit, some, hit more GPs next year and see what he can do racing with the, the best 450 riders in the world. Certainly a very, very good weekend to be beating Sean Simpson. And John Adamson, he took the MX2 title. He's been absolutely fantastic for him this year. I've been really, really impressed with him. He did actually try moving to the 450 for the, the British Grand Prix. That, that wasn't the, the easiest time for him, but it, show, it shows his ambition. And we know he can ride both well, but he's been very, very impressive to me on the MX2 this year. And that's an absolutely well-deserved championship for him. Yeah, John Adamson's a bit of a late bloomer. I mean, four or five years ago, wouldn't say unheard of, but you know, he he wasn't uh, on fire with his riding or anything like that. But over the last couple of years, he's he's really improved. And I'm not sure what that's down to, but it's good to see somebody like that emerge and prove people wrong. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he's done that along the way. So to get an MX2 MX national title in the bag runs off a great season for him, really. And 
Hopefully next year we can see him race some EMX Open events like he was doing last year. This year, I think he's maybe only done one if he's done any. So hopefully we can see him do that championship and he gets a bit more EMX experience uh, to add to his rides last year. And just a shout out to Harry Kulas, who obviously had this round, had the championship already won coming into the weekend. So congratulations to him as well. Underrated rider, not too many people, you know, uh, tip Kulas for titles like this, but he's never too far away and he's proved this year to be really good on the camp, camp screen Yamaha. Yeah, he's Kulas is just always there. He, I'm sure he wasn't taking massive risks there last weekend with the points level peg and with, with Tommy Searle with the last two British Re- Revo British Championship rounds coming up. So he's definitely got bigger fish to fry than he had this weekend. So that'll be definitely two two rounds to keep an eye on with, with Scotland this weekend for, for those two. And Tommy Searle missed the event at the MX Nationals to go and get some practice at, at Dunes or Duns. I'm not sure how to say that. But that will definitely be one to keep an eye on this this weekend. But before we get back to looking ahead to, to next weekend, we need to look back to the AMA at Bud's Creek and Dylan Ferrandis took the overall win, had the battle with Ken Roxon, just came up short in the first moto. Roxon hung on really well, and that first lap by Roxon again was just unbelievable. I love watching him on the first lap. He's able to find passes. Cooper Webb looks like you wouldn't actually believe that Cooper Webb was beating Ken Roxon to a Supercross title a few months ago, the way Roxon deal with, deals with him on the first lap outdoors. He, Roxon makes him look like he's a kind of mid, mid-pack top, top 10 guy on a first lap of a race. He's just nothing to, to Roxon at the minute outdoors. But Roxon has the strong starts, but Dylan Fernandez has the, the pace at the end, came very close to making the pass in the first one. Couldn't get qu- couldn't quite get it done. Second one, he made amends, and it was a three-way battle with Fernandez, Roxon, Tomac all there, but Fernandez this time caught Roxon with time to spare, made the pass. Roxon couldn't couldn't get him back, but he also done well to hold off Eli Tomac. We all know how good Eli Tomac is at the end of the race. So still a good result for Ken Roxon. He said himself it's the bad days that are costing him this championship. That DNF really took the championship or at least the, the intensity of, of a close points race away from him. He's rode really well since. Three of the last four motos, I think it is, he's won. But it looks like that Fernandez kept the points lead the same there. Only three rounds to go and Fernandez is very much in this driving seat despite Ken Roxon running very, very well at the minute. Yeah, I have to say, it's fun watching these two guys battle. They're, even though they've both got Grand Prix experience, their riding styles are quite a bit different. You know, you've got Roxon, who's really smooth. You maybe think by watching him ride that he's not trying his hardest, even though he is. And he's really good at the start of the motos, whereas Ferrandez is the complete opposite in terms of he's very aggressive on a bike, fast and flowing, and it's always the second half of the race. So, it was quite interesting to see them battle at the weekend and that end of race speed by Dylan Ferrandez is just unbelievable and that's what it is and it, it, it could have been 1-1 but it was good to see Roxon put up that fight in the first moto to, to get the job done on that one but yeah, Dylan Ferrandez losing no points, winning over another overall and 39 points gap in the championship now, it's everything's fine and dandy for him at the minute and yeah, I know you have to respect Ken Roxon too, he's over Supercross and Motocross, he's been the most consistent rider and he's probably not going to have a title to show for it this year, unfortunately. Yeah, well, they, were, they were talking about bringing back the, the Grand National Championship, which is a combination of Supercross and Motocross points. David Bailey won, won that in the 80s, mid-80s, I believe. And sometimes I think that would actually be, be quite a good idea because in America, you, 
obviously Supercross is priority and they do have the, the motocross championship, but it would maybe bring a wee bit extra uh, prestige to, to the outdoor nationals as well if a rider can can get a sort of combined number one plate from your points out of both series and it forces you to be very strong all year long and as we said Roxon has had his dips and those dips have ultimately cost him a title in supercross and motocross but it's hard to argue against him being the best rider overall in supercross and motocross this year so for me there should be probably some kind of award for that again because you go to America to race Supercross but you do obviously have the outdoor series as well so to have have a kind of respect thing for the guy that can not just put his haul in the Supercross and then kind of coast in the outdoors or vice versa whatever your strengths and weaknesses are Roxon's really good at both he's been in title contention for both and for me I think it would be a bit of an acknowledgement for that kind of all around riding ability to have an award at the end of the season for that Yeah an acknowledgement would be fine but even if he got the award, you know, he's still going to be pretty pissed off. He didn't win the Supercross or the Na- MA national title. So it won't make up for that. But yeah, as you said, it would show acknowledgement for that he's been the most consistent rider um, over the course of the season. So that side of it, it would be nice. Something maybe he'd look back on after year and think that was good. But at the time, I don't think he'd maybe be that bothered about it because at the end of the day, they're there to win the championships. But yeah, it would be cool. Something to think about anyway, as they've, they've done it in the 80s, as you mentioned. So could could be worth bringing it back. But in terms of prestige, it's definitely all about the titles. Yeah, well, maybe the manufacturers would get involved and offer bonuses for that and stuff as well to give you a wee bit more impetus and, and to doing that. Eli Tomac, third overall. Maybe summed up Eli Tomac's season so far. He's there, but he's not always getting the, the right end of the deal at the end of the races. He's having one so-so moto and then a good moto. And even there, he was on the pace in the second moto at Bud's Creek, but he couldn't make those last two passes he needed to to get the win. But he is he is riding well. Third overall free light homework. And he's maybe just missing that last percent or two that he needs to, to be a consistent winner this year. Yeah, well, at least he had, he had two consistent motos this week, you know, for a few rounds. He had one good moto, one not so good moto. At least this weekend, it was a 4-3 for third overall. Got on the podium, but to be honest, this season, he just hasn't had anything for Fernandes or Roxham when they've both been on it. And that must be tough for him to handle because he's used to being the, you know, the balls out fast guy, the fastest rider in the class. But this year, you can't take anything away from Fernandes or Roxham. They've, they've had him covered. Yeah, fourth overall, Chase Sexton. Not a bad day for him. He probably wish he got the better end of that podium tiebreak, the Tomac. Still fourth, fourth overall, good for him. And as we say, he was supposed to be in the US, this nation's team, but now with the rest of Team Honda riders not going, that throws that into, into big doubt. Cooper Webb, fifth overall, and he's getting good starts, but he just still doesn't have that pace of the of the front guys. Now, whether he's he's obviously trying hard in the races, but is he able to put the, the work in, like he did during Supercross in, in the midweeks with no championship at stake. That's kind of what you start to think about now because in a month's time, their focus will turn to Supercross again and he'll be defending the title. Joey Savacci, sixth, good ride for him. Muscon seventh, a wee, not great for, for Marvin in this one. I think his speed was okay, but he didn't get away to show the speed he's had for the last last few weeks at the front of the pack. Dean Wilson, eight, not too bad for Dean. Cody Shock, he's been very good this year, ninth. And Max Allen another solid 10th, but I'm still kind of waiting for Max to show that elite speed that we know he has. He's never really got to show it this year, but his consistency level has definitely stepped up a bit in terms of he's always in and around that that, that top 10 now. Yeah, exactly that. And Cody Shaw is a rider that um, 
impressed me a lot this year. I mean, I'd heard of him before, but, you know, he never really strike me as a top 10 guy, but he's had a lot of top 10 results knocking on the door for top 10s this year. And for him to finish seventh in that first moto, I'm not sure what his supercross ability is like, but if his supercross ability was the same level as a motor, as he is in motocross, I think he would definitely secure a ride for next year. But the supercross experience might let him down, but it, it's nice to see him, you know, riding top 10. So a round of applause for him. Really good. And Joey Safachi is a rider that intrigues me. He had a, a very good weekend, I would say, going 6-7. He, he's 10th in the championship, so he hasn't had that consistency so far this year. I believe his future isn't sorted, so it will be interesting to see where he heads for 2022 if he doesn't stay where he is. Yeah, but I think we want to move on to 250s now because that's actually where the, the big championship battle is in terms, of, in terms of the very close points. Jet Lawrence and Justin Cooper neck and neck, but it was actually Jeremy Martin that, that won the won the overall. 3-1 for him. Martin, I think, 60 points out of out of the title contention, so it's maybe going to be a wee bit tough for him now, but he'll be relieved to get that win after Justin Cooper won the first moto. Brilliant ride ahead of Jet Lawrence. Jet had nothing for him and Jeremy Martin. Straight up win. Fantastic. You thought, now here we go again. He's got the, got the momentum and then yet again, just like the week before, fourth place in the second moto, Cooper said after he's been struggling with his health a bit, he hasn't had the energy. So that will be interesting to see how that might affect the, the remaining three rounds. But Jet Lawrence, after looking like he didn't have the pace on the day, ended up second in the second moto to 2-2. And actually 44 points, he actually gained a point in Justin Cooper at the end of the whole thing. So Jet is creeping up here, three points behind. And maybe he's going to start to have the momentum as if, as if, if his fitness is there and Justin Cooper's isn't. Yeah, unbelievable. Three points in it with three rounds to go. It's exciting in this championship. You know, anytime you think Justin Cooper, you know, has it and he just gets away a bit, Jet, he always maybe leaves the door open a little bit for Jet and somehow he ends the weekend on a high and claws back points after you're thinking it'll never happen. Justin's first motos have been really, really good and the second motos just haven't been for whatever reason. Obviously, he said he was sick, but Jet Lawrence also said he had a... Uh, a difficult week so mind games who knows but three points in it all to play for and hopefully Jet can keep starting like that because he's going to need to I think if he's going to win this championship at, at times the starts haven't been very good and that's really let him down but at least at the weekend starts were, were were good for his standards I think he was top five both moto so that was good and actually after he got the good starts it was surprising he didn't win a moto but it's not the end of the world. There's only three points in it and all to play for. So exciting times in that class. Yeah, and both Lawrence brothers' styles obviously fantastic in the way they can manipulate the bike. And Hunter, he got fourth overall. Difficult, I think, front brake and goggle issues or whatever in the, in the first moto for a sixth. But he rode a lot better, probably where he wants to be more often is in third in the second moto. And also Austin Forkner, he got the start. He didn't quite have the speed to go with those front guys. But fifth overall for Austin Faulkner after a terrible season, he has to be happy with that just ahead of his teammate Joe Shimoda. And if you told me the, the front top five in the championship would be a Martin Lawrence Cooper, second Lawrence with Hunter and Austin Faulkner, those would have been the five guys I feel would have should have been going for the championship. And Faulkner's just now maybe starting to get himself in the reckoning there, but that's definitely a strong top five. RJ Hampshire, not the best day for him in, in seventh, but generally going into the season, those probably would have been the five that you would have thought were going for the championship. But nice to see Faulkner get, get those starts and he's maybe getting some momentum 
Courses a bit late for outdoors, really, but he needed some confidence even heading the Supercross. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just important for Fortner now to, to forget everything that's happened and just try and end the season on a high. So for him to go four or five for fifth overall after the outdoors he's had, it's definitely progress, isn't it? I mean, and even though he has had, for his standards, a terrible outdoor season, he's still eighth in the championship. Obviously not what he wants, but... With some of his results, you would have thought maybe he'd be lower down than that. So um, it, it, all that ma- matters now is trying to do, do top fives for the rest of the season now and then regroup going into Supercross next year. And hopefully, for his sake, we can see uh, we can see him unlock his full potential and stay injury-free. That's one positive, I suppose, to all this. At least he, he's injury-free throughout the whole outdoors because obviously injuries haven't been kind to him over the last few years. Yeah, it's something he needs to stay away from those injuries and start building that momentum and confidence up again. Time Masterpool, eighth overall, good for him on, on the privateer Gas Gas and Dylan Sports Suzuki. Ninth, he's been, for me, a revelation this year. But uh, Preston Kilroy and Levi Kitchen, 15th and 16th overall for, for the rookies, the guys coming out of Loretta Lynn's. Probably not what what you'd really want from those pairs, especially Levi Kitchen on, on that Yamaha. But early days for them, they've kind of got a free pass for the end of this this outdoor series, they'll probably just want to show the half speed if they can get away with a good start. But again, Levi Kitchen, 20 years old, you'd probably want him to be starting to be the regular top 10 ready at this point. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, one rider I'm looking forward to see what the future holds is Ty Masterpool. Uh, he got a good start in that second moto and he was at the front for for quite a, quite a while before fading to ninth. But I do feel like he has got potential in motocross, but you know the supercross is a question mark for him. So... It will be interesting to see where his future takes him and what he, what he can do if he can unlock his full potential. Uh, Dylan Swartz, very, very good season, ninth overall, and it's nice to see Suzuki being competitive. Uh, he's probably at the stage now where he might want a more competitive bike. That's the only thing, but it'll be interesting to see what his future holds as well. Yeah, and apparently that, that team... I've said they don't have the biggest budget in terms of salaries and whatnot. So if Dylan does get an offer from a, a more elite team and a team that's, that's used to winning, I don't think they're going to stand in his way. And I'm sure he is getting a few phone calls because he's been, as I said, a, a real revelation for me anyway on that bike. Kind of, he's been in, he's been a name coming through, but to do it on that team, I think it's pretty impressive. But and I want your prediction, Jet Lawrence, Justin Cooper, three points in at three rounds to go. Who's your money on? Jet Lawrence, who's your money on? It was Justin Cooper, but I think <laughs> now Oh, I'm you can't change your mind now, Jet, how long? Yeah. No, because, that's not a lie. Uh, it's hard yeah. to know because Jet starts are good at the minute, but Justin Cooper's are always good. But if Cooper's going to start fading in the second moto, is he fading with Italis or is, does the pressure start to get to him? Jet, I don't think pressure's really going to get to him. He has that, that Aussie mentality where you just keep going and you f- keep fighting and you keep believing in yourself. And probably he should not be as close as he is. He should probably be 15, 20 points back with the bad starts he had there a couple of rounds ago. Justin Cooper, especially that crash at Washougal in these last two second motos, he's kind of let Jack Jet back in it when he shouldn't have. And that might come back to haunt him in these last three rounds. But it's, it's pretty exciting. It's going to be very interesting to see how tense it gets. They have had a bit of rivalry before and coming into these last couple of rounds, I don't think they're going to be Karen, if somebody ends up hitting the deck with the title on the line. Yeah, that's it. The one thing you touched on there is starts. I think if Justin had have had some of Jet's starts, I think we all know Jet would win this title no problem. But obviously Justin's still really fast, don't get me wrong, but Jet's always 
able to recover really bad starts and working his way out to the sharp end. Maybe sometimes he's riding above his limit. Who knows? But he's he's, he's able to do it. We and uh, Justin hasn't really had those bad starts. He's getting that that star Yamaha's a, a monster out of the gate, so he hasn't had to worry too much about that. But I think we all know if it had been rules reversed, Jet would be quite a quite a fair bit ahead probably in this championship. But you know, getting out of the getting to the first corner first is part of the game as well. Well, that's it. So definitely plenty to look forward to this weekend with the, with the AMA racing and, of course, the British Championship coming down to the wire, especially in MX1. Annie, that's great. Thanks for your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And please follow, subscribe if you can. But we'll speak to you guys later. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Welcome to the Gate Drop Podcast. Drop.com, giving you the jump in motocross news.